Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. So, where did you get to go today? You got to go inside somewhere. Did you get to go inside? Yeah, Peyton got to go inside the schoolhouse today. It's our neighbor. We live across the street from... Them? Um, Okay, cool. She went went into school. Mm. No, it's so much cooler than that. (laughs) Will you fix your blanket over the lights real quick? So, we live in a city called Bodega, California, And if any of your parents know, it's famous for a really scary... Well, it's actually not scary. It was scary back in the day. A scary movie called The Birds. And we live right across the street from the house, the schoolhouse. And Peyton got to go in it for the first time today. What'd you think? Pretty cool? Mm -hmm. It's huge, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pretty. It's like spooky. Okay. A series of unfortunate events. Reading dogs. Yep, because he's walking in. Reading with dogs. Oh, and he's falling. Okay. Okay, lay down. Lay down. All right, chapter nine. It's okay, he's just smelling. He's just smelling. He's not. Okay. Chapter nine. The United States Postal Service has a motto. The motto is, neither rain, not sleet, nor driving snow shall halt the delivery of mails. This, all this means is that even when the weather is nasty and your mail person wants to stay inside and enjoy a cup of cocoa, he or she has to bundle up and go outside to deliver your mail anyways. The United States Postal Service does not think that icy storms should interfere with duties. The Baudelaire orphans were distressed to learn that the fickle fairy had no such policy. Violet, Klaus, and Sunny had made their way down the hill with much difficulty. The storm was rising and the children could tell that the wind and the rain wanted nothing more to do than to grab them and throw them into the raging waters of Lake Lacrimose. Violet and Sunny hadn't the time to grab their coats as they escaped the house, so all three children took turns wearing Klaus's coat as they stumbled along the floating road or the flooding road. Once or twice, a car drove by, and the Baudelaires had to scurry into the muddy bushes and hide in case Captain Sham was coming to retrieve them. When the fully, when they finally reached Demacle's dock, their teeth were shattering and their feet were so cold that they could scarcely feel their toes, and the sight of the closed sign on the window of the fickle fairy ticket booth was just about more was just about more than they could stand. It's closed, Klaus cried, his voice rising with despair, and in order to be heard over the hurricane Herman. How would we get to Curdled Cave now? Well, we have to wait until it reopens, Violet replied, but it won't open until the storm is past. Klaus pointed out, and then the captain, then Captain Sham will find us and take us far away. We will have to get Aunt Josephine as soon as possible. I don't know how we can, Violet said, shivering. The atlas says that the cave is all the way across the lake, and we can't swim all that way in this weather. 
Anthro, Sunny shrieked, which meant something along the lines of, and we don't have enough time to walk across around the lake either. This must be, there must be other boats on this lake, Klaus said, and besides the ferry, motor boats or fishing boats, or he trailed off and his eyes met those of his sisters. All three orphans were thinking the same thing, or sailboats. Violet finished for him. Captain Sham's sailboat rentals, he said, was right on Dock Demockles, or Demockles Dock. The Baudelaire stood under a waning ticket, the waning ticket booth, and looked down as if the far end of the desert, at the far end of the deserted dock, where they could only see a metal gate that was very tall and had glistening spikes on the top of it. Hanging over the metal gate was a sign with some words they couldn't read, and next to that sign was a small shack, scarcely visible in the rain, with a flickering light in the window. The children looked at it with dread in their hearts. Walking to Captain Sham's sailboat rentals in order to find Aunt Josephine would feel like walking into the lion's den in order to escape from a lion. Oh my gosh, that's so scary. They have to go steal one of his boats. We can't go there, Klaus said. We have to, said Violet. Sham isn't here because he's either on his way to Aunt Josephine's house or still on the anxious at the anxious clown. But whoever is there, Klaus said, pointing to the flickering light, won't let us rent a sailboat. They won't know that we're the Baudelaire's, Violet replied. We'll tell them that who, we'll tell whoever it is that we are the Joneses' children and that we want to go for a sail. In the middle of the hurricane, Klaus replied, they won't believe that. They'll have to, Violet said, resolutely. And word which here, here, which means it as if she believed it. And even though she wasn't too sure, she led her siblings towards the shack. Wait a minute. Wasn't, oh, wasn't so sure. I was like, they spelled that wrong. And she and her siblings towards the shack. Klaus clasped the atlas close to his chest, and Sunny, whose turn it was for Klaus's coat, clutched around her, clutched it around herself, and soon the Baudelaire's were shivering underneath the sign that read, Captain Sham's Sailboat Rentals. Every boat has its own sail. But the tall metal gate was locked up tight, and the Baudelaire's paused there, anxious about going inside the shack. Let's take a look, Klaus whispered, pointing to the window, but it was too high for him to, and Sunny to use. Standing on his tiptoe, on her tiptoes, Violet peered into the window of the shack, and with one glance she knew there was no way they could rent a sailboat. The shack was very small with only room for one desk and a single light bulb, which was giving off the flickering light, but... At the desk, asleep in the chair, was a person so massive that it looked like an enormous blob was in the shack, snoring away with a bottle of beer in one hand and a ring key in the other. As the person snored, the bottle shook and the keys jangled, and the door of the shack creaked open or two an inch open an inch or two, but although the noises were quiet quite spooky, they weren't that frightened. They weren't that what frightened Violet. What frightened Violet was that you couldn't tell if a person was a man or a woman. There weren't very many people like that in the world, and Violet knew which was this, knew which one this was. Perhaps, have you forgotten about Count Olaf's evil comrades? The Baudelaire's had seen them in flesh, lots of flesh in this comrade's case, 
Anne remembered all of them in gruesome detail. These people were rude and they were sneaky and they did whatever they could, whatever Count Olaf, or in this case, Captain Sham, told them to do. And the orphans knew that they would never, that they would turn up now and one, oh, that they would turn up. And now one had turned up right there in the shack, dangerous, treacherous, and snoring. Violet's face must have shown her disappointement because as soon as she took Klaus and asked, what's wrong? I mean, besides the hurricane and Aunt Josephine faking her own death and Captain Sham coming after us and everything. One of Count Olaf's comrades is in the shack, Violet said. Which one? Klaus said. The one that looks like neither a man nor a woman, Violet replied. Klaus shuddered. That's the scariest one. I disagree, Violet said. I think the bald one is the scariest. Vast, Sunny whispered, which probably meant, let's discuss this another time. Did he or she see you, Klaus said? No, Violet said. He or she is asleep, but he or she is holding the ring of keys and will need them. I bet to unlock the gates and get the sailboat. You mean we're going to steal the sailboat, Klaus asked? Well, we have no choice, Violet said. Stealing, of course, is a crime, and it's a very impolite thing to do. But like most impolite things, it is excusable under certain circumstances. Stealing is not excusable, for instance, if you are in a museum and you decide that a certain painting would look better in your house and simply grab the painting and take it there. But if you were very, very hungry and you had no way of obtaining money, it might be excusable to grab the painting and take it to your house and eat it. We have to get curdled. We have to get to Curdled Cave as quickly as possible. Violet continued, and the only way there is to steal a sailboat. I know that Klaus said, but how are we going to get the keys? I don't know. Violet admitted, the door of the shack is creaky, and I'm too afraid. If we open any wider, it's going to wake him or her up. You could crawl through the window, Klaus said, by standing on my shoulders. Sunny could keep watch. Where is Sunny? Violet said nervously. Violet and Klaus looked down to the ground and saw that. Klaus's coat sitting alone in the heap. They looked down at the dock, but only saw a, a fickle fairy ticket booth in, a foam in the foamy waters of the lake, darkening in the gloom of the late afternoon. She's gone, Klaus cried. But Violet put her finger to her lips and stood on her tiptoes, looking through the window again. Sunny was crawling through the door of the shack, flattening her little body enough to not open the door any wider. She's inside, Violet mur murmured. In the shack, Klaus said, horrified, as a, in a horrified gasp. Oh no, we have to stop her. She's crawling very slowly towards the person, Violet said, afraid to even blink. We promised our parents that we'd take care of her, Klaus. We can't let her do this. She's reaching towards the key ring, Violet said breathlessly. She's gently prying it loose from the person's hand. Don't tell me anymore, Klaus said as a bolt of lightning streaked across the sky. No, don't tell me what's happening. She has the keys, Violet said. She's putting them in her mouth to hold them. She's crawling back towards the door. She's flattening herself and crawling through. She's made it, Klaus said in amazement. Sunny came crawling out triumphantly towards the orphans. Keys in her mouth, Violet had... Violet, she made it, Klaus said, giving Sunny a hug, and a huge boom of thunder echoed across the sky. Violet smiled down at Sunny, but stopped smiling when she looked up into the shack. The thunder had awoken Count Olaf's comrade, and Violet watched in dismay as the person looked in, in an attempt at its empty hand, 
to find where the keys had been and then down on the floor where Sunny had left crawl prints of water and then up to the window and right into Violet's eyes. She's awake, Violet shrieked. He's awake. It's awake. Hurry, hurry, Klaus, just open the gate and try to distract it. Without another word, Klaus took the very key from Sunny's mouth and hurried to the tall metal gate. There were three keys on the ring, a skinny one, a thick one, and one with teeth jagged all over glistening spikes, with jagged as glistening spikes hanging over the children. He put the atlas down on the ground and began to try the skinny key in the lock, just as Count Olaf's comrade came lumbering out of the shack. Her heart is in her throat. Violet stood in front of the creature and gave it a fake smile. Good afternoon, she said, not knowing whether to add sir or madam. I see you seem to have gotten lost on this deck. Could you tell me the way to Fickle Fairy? Count Olaf's comrade did not answer, but kept shuffling around towards the orphans. The skinny feet fit into the lock, but it didn't budge. Then Klaus tried the thick one. I'm sorry, Violet said. I didn't hear you. Could you tell me? Without a word, the mountainous person grabbed Violet by the hair and with one swing of its arm lifted her up over his smelly shoulder the way you might carry a backpack. Klaus couldn't get that thick key to fit in the lock and tried the jagged one, just as the person scooped up Sunny with its hand and held her up the way you might hold up an ice cream cone. Klaus! Violet screamed. Klaus! The jagged fee wouldn't fit in the lock either. Klaus, in frustration, shook the metal gate. Violet was kicking the creature from behind, and Sunny was biting its wrist. But the person was so robbing, whoa, brobdingnagain, a word here which means unbelievably husky, that the children were causing it minor pain, a phrase here which means no pain at all. Klaus Olaf's, Count Olaf's comrades lumbered towards Klaus, holding the other two orphans in his grasp. In desperation, Klaus made the skinny key again in the lock, and to his surprise and relief, it turned to the tall metal, and the tall metal gate swung open. Just a few feet away were all six sailboats tied to the end of the dock, and a thick rope sailboats that could take them to Aunt Josephine, but Klaus was too late. He felt something grab the back of his shirt, and he was lifted into the air. Something slimy began to run down his back, and Klaus realized that with horror the person was holding him by his nose or his mouth. Put me down, Klaus screamed. Put me down. Put me down, Violet yelled. Put me down. Puda Rish, Sunny shrieked. Puda Rish. But the lumbering creature had no concern for the wishes of the Baudelaire orphans. With great sloppy steps, it turned itself around and began to carry the youngsters back towards the shack. The children heard the gloppy sound of its chubby feet and sloshing through the rain. Gumpsh, gumpsh, gumpsh. But when, instead of a gumpsh, there should be a little skittlewat as a person stepped on Aunt Josephine's atlas, which skipped from under his, slipped from under his feet. Count Olaf's comrade waved his arms to keep his balance, dropping Violet Sunny, and then fell onto the ground, opening his mouth in surprise and dropping Klaus. The orphans began being reasonably good physical shape, got to their feet more quickly than their desp- this despicable creature and ran through the open gate to the nearest sailboat. The creature struggled 
to right itself up and chase them, but Sunny had already bitten the rope that tied the boat to the dock by the time the creature grabbed the spiky metal gate, reached the spiky metal gate. The orphans were already in the stormy waters of Lake Lacrimose. In this dim light of the late afternoon, Klaus wiped the grime off of the creature of the creature's foot off of the cover of the atlas atlas and began to read it aunt josephine's book of maps had saved them once showing them the location of curdle cave and now it had saved them again pay ten she is asleep Ooh, three more chapters 10 11 12 oh sorry four okay bye